0: Good morning, Dr. Philip George.
1: Good morning, Bell. Always good, good to have
0: you in here. Always so cheerful. Now, let's get to our first article of the day. Now, this study actually shown that schizophrenia relapses can now be predicted. How can we doctors predict? relapses especially for schizophrenia
1: Mm. well schizophrenia is a major mental disorder and there are many factors for relapse of schizophrenia this includes lack of insight where you know patients don't acknowledge or know that they have an illness and this of course then leads to poor compliance to treatment and maybe even follow-up it may also be due to side effects of treatment so you know it's important for them to actually discuss this with their doctors And sometimes when patients feel better, they decide to stop medication against the advice of doctors. Mm. The other factor is stress, which can be either physical or mental. Some of the examples of physical stress is like when you have a medical illness or you use a substance. Um, And uh, the examples of mental stress is like relationship difficulties, occupational problems. Another factor is also related to family and the way they respond and react to a person with schizophrenia. So, high expressed emotion, which includes critical comments, hostility, and over-involvement by family members can actually risk increasing relapse rates, even if patients are compliant with medication. There are many measures to predict relapse, including assessing patient's compliance, understanding of the illness, as well as you know how the families accept and react to the illness, and finally, stress management skills of the patient. This study that you just quoted actually suggests that the initial side effect profile observed in patients when they first start taking treatment for schizophrenia can also predict future relapses as well.
0: Oh, wow. It's quite interesting uh, what you said earlier that family, over-involvement of family can cause schizophrenia, relapse. Yeah. I thought family support is very important so that you don't go back into relapse.
1: No, you're absolutely right. But it's a balance. So if, you know, family get over-involved, tell them, no, you're not going out tonight. You, you've got to stay at home. You have a curfew. you got to eat at this time, sleep at this time, do this, do that. That's over involvement. Right. You know, that becomes really very stressful for the person who's trying to cope with an illness.
0: But how quickly and aggressively can a relapse occur, doctor? Like, does it come straight after that person stops taking medication?
1: Usually, relapses are insidious, and that means they progressively develop over time. But it usually can be full-blown in a period of one to three months. So, you know, this is what happens when people, you know, stop the medication. They think, oh, nothing's happened. Mm. The doctor was lying. He said, I'll have a relapse. I'm not having any problems. But it only happens after a few months very often. And the problem with schizophrenia is that the more the number of relapses, the worse the outcomes. As patients start to deteriorate with each relapse and may never have the chance of going back to complete recovery.
0: All right, this second article is also on schizophrenia. How Mm. important is medication to treating patients with schizophrenia, Doctor?
1: Actually, in schizophrenia, medication is the most important treatment. Okay. But it needs to be complemented with psychotherapy, family therapy, occupational therapy. Schizophrenia is a biological illness, and there are neurochemical changes in the brain that cannot get better with reassurance and talk therapy alone. So yeah, medication is what we use for schizophrenia and it's what we call as antipsychotics. Mm. Uh, They have the old antipsychotics or the typical ones, which had a lot of side effects and are no longer first line. But the newer antipsychotics or atypical antipsychotics have lesser side effects and are more tolerable.
0: Okay. But must they be on medication for the rest of their life? Can they actually cure themselves of mm. schizophrenia. Is such a thing as a cure.
1: Well, actually, in schizophrenia, there's a rule of three. One third of patients with schizophrenia recover completely right. uh, and may not require medication after a period of time. Okay. But another third have relapses and remissions and may require treatment for longer term. The final third have a chronic pattern of disease and these patients may require treatment for life. The final 10% of schizophrenia may die from suicide. So, you know, 100%, 30, 30, 30, 10.
0: Oh, wow. So, it is pretty long term for most, for schizophren- most patients schizophrenia, schizophrenia patients. Yeah. 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 But um, what can someone with schizophrenia or family with someone who has schizophrenia do to help uh, make sure that they do not skip mm. their medication then?
1: It's a challenge in managing patients with schizophrenia to get them to understand the illness and embrace it. Uh, it is when they develop an emotional and intellectual insight into their illness that they they are more compliant to treatment and lifestyle that is required to maintain stability in their illness. Families can actually play an important role and they can be involved from the beginning with visits to the doctor with their loved ones and supervision of their medication but well, recently there's been introduction of this thing called the long acting injectables. And uh, these are atypical antipsychotics that are given in a depot form that lasts for two weeks to a month in the body, stored in fat cells and slowly being released daily. In fact, there is a new long-acting injectable to be launched in Malaysia that lasts for three months. Oh, wow. wow. So, yeah, so this will definitely reduce non-compliance. Now, how young... Can someone be put... Let's say you diagnose a yeah. kid who has schizophrenia. How young is too young for them to be on medication? Actually, with schizophrenia, there's no young. Really? As soon as you make the diagnosis, treatment is really essential. In fact, there's a program uh, that started in the uh, in Australia looking at early uh, psychosis treatment. And they go into schools, identify people at a young age because the sooner you get them, the less the chance of it actually relapsing and deteriorating. Right. Once it deteriorates, they stop school. They stop the opportunity for career. They right. stop the opportunity for relationships. But they need medication immediately. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, when they get older, do they need like even stronger medication than someone who… No. Needs well, with? that's the thing. Very often with schizophrenia, sometimes it, it burns out. Uh, The second is, you know, with uh, acute and relapsing illness type uh, pattern, they sometimes actually get better on their own.
0: Mm,
1: But yeah, maybe with chronic schizophrenia, they may need low doses of the medication.
0: Now, this next article talks about delayed postpartum depression and it can show up years later and Mm. last longer than we actually think. Now, doctor, what causes postpartum depression years after childbirth?
1: Actually, postpartum depression can stem from many causes, like uh, hormonal changes. There's always a sharp drop in estrogen and progesterone just after delivery, when they're, you know, typically during pregnancy increased 10 times or tenfold. There There's also changes in plasma cortisol, uh, the stress hormone that occurs at this time. And that's why right, this article is a little controversial. These hormones change... Only for a set period of time. Mm. After about two to three months, they all come back to normal. And you can't then describe it as postpartum depression anymore.
0: So it's just depression? It's
1: usually, yeah, just depression. Uh, of course, there are other psychosocial factors. And that includes, you know, feeling of inadequacy regarding child rearing, breastfeeding issues, ambivalence towards pregnancy, uh, low self esteem, or interpersonal issues like marital and mother daughter problems or even an unplanned pregnancy. Um, And then there's financial problems with additional expenses, postpartum, and maybe even obstetric complications or prolonged labor. Now, so all of these are factors that are just within the delivery period. Mm. And it's very hard to justify, you know, a year or two years later that these factors are still there. So it may be a confusion between postpartum depression and major depression, really.
0: I see. So... If it happens years after childbirth, it yeah. is probably not called postpartum depression anymore. It's just depression.
1: Depression. So yeah.
0: the difference would be the chemicals and all that. the The difference would be that uh, what causes postpartum depression is not causing why she is depressed a years year after. later. Yeah,
1: it's it's the it's the time frame. It's a duration thing. So typically what we'd normally do is if it's within six months after delivery, then we can actually term it as postpartum depression. But if it's post that and she's had no mood changes... Uh, then we'll need to identify whether it's actually major depression that the the mother is experiencing. Question, do all women go through postpartum depression? No, right? No. So there's a big difference between blues and depression. Yeah. Blues is something that, you know, all mothers may go through. And that's about 80% of um, new mothers especially. But that is self-limiting. It gets better on its own. Right. And it's more emotional changes. Right. They feel ecstatic, happy, but then they feel sad and emotional, maybe a little... Overwhelmed.
0: Overwhelmed, Yeah.
1: Yeah. And and that's also related biologically to the hormones, you know, readjusting. But depression is something persistent. Right. How and long
0: does it last though, doctor? Like if you were diagnosed with postpartum depression, yeah. how long does it last?
1: Well, if if it's not treated, it can even carry on for six months. And oh. the big impact is it has a huge impact on the mother-child bonding. Mm. Children you know, who grow during that period also find it really difficult to have a relationship with their mother. So even the children feel stressed out after Oh, that. yeah. Later on in years to come.
0: Now, this next article is really interesting. This is the first time we're hearing this term, narcissistic triangulation, which mm. sort of means adding a third person into a relationship. And it doesn't need to be a romantic relationship. Yeah. Like, yeah. mother and even married couple with a new baby can mm. consider it a third person. Or even,
1: like, best friends adding another friend into the group, I suppose. Yeah. Does that, is that how it works? Now, yeah. Doctor,
0: so what, what is narcissistic <laughs> triangulation, Doctor?
1: Well, let me give you an example. Uh, have you ever been in a relationship where the person you're close to is also just as close to someone else and insists that it's a platonic, almost sibling-like relationship? Right. Well, that may be triangulation. Triangulation in psychology is the name for rather heartless form of manipulation. That friendship is being used to manipulate both that new person that's been introduced as well as you. And it's, you know, it's when one person seeks to control a three person interpersonal situation for their own benefit. I see it often involves the use of threats of exclusion like okay today i'm going to meet so and so if you're coming i'm sorry i don't have time for you and you know strategies that aim to divide and conquer it typically happens in people with uh, narcissistic personality traits you know they are so about themselves and they think about their own needs people who have narcissistic personality frequently use triangulation to enhance their feelings of superiority, raise their self-esteem, devalue other people, and keep potential competitors off balance. They are not that really different from, you know, than the children who use it to help navigate the status wars in, you know, in school. Mm-hmm. You know, the teenagers, they have status wars and all that. Right, they, right. They get close to one person and then make them feel degraded in front of others. I'm so glad I'm not in school anymore. <laughs> All right, but it may also happen in those with borderline personality, and can happen in families as well. You know, yeah. when the mother says, "This is my pet son," and oh, you know, the other guys. says right. you know, the black sheep of the family. Is that how it works? Okay, okay, yep. I see now. Okay, yep.
0: How about in, let's say, a new new couple, a newlywed yeah. couple, and they yeah. have a baby. Yeah. So now the relationship. Went from two to three. Does it happen as well, this triangulation?
1: Well, usually when the child gets a bit older, because they have to be cognitively and emotionally involved in this whole process as well, they need to also show responses and reactions to how the mother or the father treats them. And, you know, with that, then it instills some sort of. Jealousy, anger and disappointment in the other person.
0: Is there a treatment for this?
1: The first most important thing is if the person is aware. You know, awareness uh, is the first important step for any personality disorder. But typically, they don't think it's a problem. You know, it's others who suffer their hands who, you know, can identify this. So I think it's important that, uh, you know, that people are involved in this, you know, sort of triangulation, understand what is actually happening in this whole relationship. And, you know, maybe identify, do you need to confront? Or do you want to maybe understand that this person has got a background of mental health problems? And if they're not going to look for help, then it may be better that you walk away.